you on. Good morning, heart and soul. Good morning. I am balancing this, these new lenses and new eyes and all the things, so just bear with me as I do this. This is just simply another aspect of an adventure in faith. And you, you know, for our theme, we have for 2023 announced that we are trusting divine guidance. And so I just acknowledge that that's more than a notion. <laughs> Not that y'all hadn't already realized it. <laughs> oh, my heart is happy. Um, this idea, this notion of trusting divine guidance. How do we do that? Here's my sense. My sense is that to a person, we have experience in this, that there is at least a moment where we have trusted divine guidance. Now, having said that, I'm not pretending that we are living our lives trusting divine guidance. That, and when I say living our lives, I mean in every millisecond, in every moment, that that is just, you know, when you think divine guidance, when somebody thinks divine guidance, they think about your life. Oh, now you get what I'm talking about. Oh, now you understand. So, but my sense is that I think we can get closer to that as an outcome. I think that this year, I'm amazed that this is just the fourth month. Because I know I've lived 13 months already in this year. I, I mean, I, it cannot just not have yet completed four months, because for me, there's been so much living and changing and praying and swearing and just all of the things just, it feels like it's been so compacted that it has to have been millennia just so far in 2023. And that may not be true for you but it is certainly true for me. That's the point from which I'm speaking. And if you want an example of trusting divine guidance, you see it on Sundays when I speak. I've told you before that sometimes it's very scary for me because I realize there's, a, there's an energetic that feels like Hmm, how do I, I don't, well, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't have the language yet because it's not a thing that I am experiencing intellectually, which is where language lies. It's a feeling tone and the feeling, aha, the feeling is similar to, have you ever been in a crowd where somebody's kind of pushing you and you just, you're like, oh, but you cannot, sometimes you can't tell where the push is coming from. It kind of feels like that. It feels like, like there's an energetic presence that is moving me. Now, let me just say that I have already for decades been doing the prayer work and asking for this. Now, let me be clear. For many of those decades, I was fighting it. I was asking for it, and then I'd feel it and be like, no, not now. Not out here in front of the people. No, I meant like in the meditation. 
I mean, like in my journaling, but not like all might. And then I had this experience <clears throat> long, long ago where I was speaking and I, I would always have my notes because my process used to be that I would literally take notes in my meditation and spirit would just give me whatever the message was. And so I'd have that and I was like, okay, we got a deal. This is what we're going to do. And somehow I'd be moved. There was a point in my evolution as a speaker where I would be moved to move away from the notes. And so I'd find myself over here just, you know, working it out. Just that part. And then when I finished expressing that particular aspect of the message, I wanted to get back to the notes. And what I experienced was that it was like my feet wouldn't really work. You, you know, so I'd go, okay, so that's that. Let me get to my notes. But I'd be kind of like this. And I'd be, so for me, in speaking, I often will have my own thoughts, but my speech is divine guidance. So it's divine guidance is like vibrating the vocal cords, but my mind is saying, I think you need to stop talking about that because you don't know where that's going. And I, I kind of want to know where the talk is going so I can get there first. But this, this experience of trusting divine guidance doesn't include me having advance notice and a map so that I can get there first. And often, that is very difficult for me, very difficult for me, because part of my claim to fame is that I know stuff. <laughs> so I don't want to be on mic not knowing stuff, you know, like all the cogent stuff about where this is going. And I just, I just want to add, now that we're live streaming and there's video, that really, I just have to say, my ego, my ego is upset about this and has been for a while. So we just, but you see, I come anyhow. So part of my affirmation is that my ego does not get to run my life. But it just wanted you to know that part. So look, so look, in this, I have spoken to you before about this, just how we are in this field of consciousness. And we've used, I have used a few different kind of examples and, and languaging around it. And I've been working on a, a variation on the model that we have used in the past. So I want you to see this. I I shared it last week a bit, but since then I've been working on it. And I'll continue to work on it until it gets to a place where, you know, where I really feel like it captures what we're up to. So I know at home you aren't seeing, or maybe you can if, you're, if the camera is placed in a way. This is where I want us to play. This is where where I want you thinking, and there's a lot to see, I get that. There's a whole little map here that's happening. But where I want you focused for right now is just right here in this lower left area where it says let go of blame and shame and regret. We're not even at the let go place. You see this person right here is not letting go of nothing. 
And so this is us. This is where we are in this place of, and my sense, well, let me not talk about you. I have been there. This year has been filled with me in that attitude, in that place, in that sense, in that reaction, that place where I have felt as if I, things were happening to me, where, where I was literally, now I would not, I could not have owned it in the moment, but I was literally nurturing a victim consciousness. And I had evidence, I had proof, I had witnesses. You know, I, I could really set up the whole thing to defend, I am a victim in this. Except that often by the time I got my hand up high enough, I'd be like, girl, you better get that hand down. Because I also simultaneously at the same time recognize the consequence of standing in victimhood and declaring victimization as the life theme of the moment. Here's what's important. As you can see, there are various stages. Sometimes early on in this, I realized that, that we could look at this map and decide, oh, I've been there already and done that. And we feel as if that's like an inoculation. You know, like I've been the victim. I was the victim in 1996. And so I'm done. Thank you. My tribe has just announced not. Not so. Not so by any means at all. That what happens here is that we allow race consciousness to permeate our sensibility. We're at the effect of this. We're mad about whoever's in the IRS. Really? You, our lives are just complicated by these ideas about what's happening to us. And in truth, in truth, and I, there's a part of me that wishes that I could just grab hold to it, the truth, and just hold it. I do, that's, that's the part of me that, that is still aligned with the victimization because I want something to protect me from that, Some, like a guarantee, when in truth it's a slippery slope. It has everything to do with what's, what am I telling myself? What am I telling myself about my circumstance? What am I telling myself just happened? Now, there was an event. There was an incident, there was a situation, a circumstance, there was a person, they really said something or they didn't say something. Or you thought they said something or you thought they didn't say something because you know, we're complex in that. We can go off because you said it, we can go off because you didn't say it. And we can go off because you said it but we didn't hear it so we thought you didn't say it and so we, we're right in that place with the ball and chain of our own thinking. So that's, that's, the, that's the most essential part of that, is to get a sense of when we are there in this ball and chain. And the ball and chain to me is our story, our thinking, what we're telling ourselves. That's the thing that's holding us there. Does this make sense? Now, if somebody else were here teaching this module, they would have a different way of speaking to it and maybe some entirely different ideas. They ain't here. So right now, we're just left with whatever my evolution is. 
We just left with what I'm getting in a moment. And this is why this visual continues to evolve. So what our question is, is what my question is, is so how do I get from that? Because we don't have to spend it. There's not a person, I don't think, who isn't aware of what this is. Do I need to go on or give Elucidate any more about what this, this ball and chain is and what it feels like to be here and all that? So we know we get here by our own getting here. We did whatever it was that was required of us. We thought whatever we had to think. We, uh, we engaged in whatever way we had to engage so that we could arrive at this spot. It has nothing to do with anything other than what we have done with whatever we think has happened or hasn't happened or will happen or we think will happen. You, you understand it's all an inside job. Is that part clear? Y'all yes. at home, put something in the chat so they can let me know. Because if we need to hang out here a little longer, then we hang out here a little longer because it's essential that we get it that we're either here right now in this quadrant with a little ball and chain, and we probably are to some extent. Or we've certainly been here, but what's important is that we understand how did we get there? Because if you don't understand how to get there, you cannot have dominion around how not to be here, as a, how not to appear there regularly. You know, like a performance artist. I am now appearing as the victim in my life. And I'll be here Monday <laughs> through Friday, and then there's going to be two shows on Saturday and Sunday. Yes? There's a way of understanding what this is, and it's a lot less personal than many of us have been led to believe. Yeah? OK. So the idea here is, so being aware of this, watch this, being aware of this, what I did was I, um, in reading, you know, our daily read is from Guidance from a, for, sorry, Guidance for a Spiritual Journey by Dr. Daniel L. Morgan, who is just bad in a good way. And so for, on the 21st, day before yesterday, when I read the daily read, and I'm going to do my best to just excerpt it because so, it's, it's so good. And because I was already working on this, you know how things strike you a certain way, that if you're working on something else, this might not be the piece. But it struck me that he's saying here that there are those times when we need all the resources we can find. Yeah. And my sense is when you're in that sense of being a victim, when stuff isn't working out and you feel like it's about something's being done to you or it, you aren't getting your fair share, all of the stuff that keeps us there, we need all the resources we can find. We don't need to change people or try to escape. What we need is all of the available resources to assist us in creating and maintaining, he says, a constructive attitude toward life. Because I'm, I'm putting in contrast a constructive attitude toward life to a victim consciousness. The contrast there. 
So he's saying you want to change that. He says there are definite keys to opening up the divine, opening up heaven to allow our needs to be met, to let out our good. He's saying that the fundamental idea is that the universe is overflowing with all manner of good things. So if you're over there huddled with your ball and chain, you just have to flow. And that's up to you. You can stay out the flow. And sometimes, let's just be real, sometimes you just need to be there for a moment. You're just like, no, hush. I need you to hush because I'm getting ready to cry and then I'm going to roll over and I'm going to have a little pity party and I'm going to have, you know, a charcuterie tray and I'm just going gonna, gonna to have a for real pity party. And then when it's done, I'm going to get my behind up and live like I know to live. So I ain't mad at you if you need to just have a little process, but let's be clear at a point of awareness. What is the process? And when is it over? Okay? So he's saying that all of this good is everywhere, and there's enough to supply every wish of every heart with abundance, the abundance of all things good. He says the secret of secrets is to let the best within us have full right away. Well, you can't do that if you need a little pity party. If you need a pity party, don't fight it. Don't drag that out for six months, needing a pity party, but not feeling like you can consciously allow yourself. Go ahead, have the little five-minute, to have the all-day pity party. But it'll be over, and you, that same six-month period, it'll just be minus one day. <laughs> And you will instead be doing, be actualizing the secret of secrets where you have the full right of way, to, where you give the full right of way to the very best that's in you. And that's up to you what that best is. Your best is not my best. My best is not his best or her best. It's your best. You do the best you can in the moment. So you may not be at the point where you can forgive the whole thing, but there's something you can do better than what you're doing. And that's the calling. Yes? And he's saying the problem is most of us have failed to do this. So look, then today, it's just like the part two of that. But remember, I'm, this is what we do. We focus in on what matters to us. And what is mattering to me is I'm working out the, these the lower left, the upper left, the lower right, the upper right. So this is what's on my mind is how is this really working? How have I seen it work in my life? And so I see this, this question that he poses this morning, how much are you worth? Well, if you're over there in that lower left corner, the answer is not much. Or for some who are really kind of crunched into the cut of the corner, it's nothing. I'm not worth anything. But it's on that continuum of not worth anything to not worth much. But that's not the truth. Dr. Dan tells us every person comes into this existence with the secret of creation contained within them. Don't you wish they taught this in kindergarten? You know, and then repeated it in every class and every grade so that it was drilled in because when we have those moments of the ball and chain, you just look at it and say, yeah, this is not, nothing but a moment. Because the truth is what? 
that I come into this existence with the secret of creation contained where? Within me. Says the greatest discovery an individual can make is that I am spiritually equipped to handle the problems and the task of this life. Can you, did you hear? The change is cracked open. Did, did you hear the sound of freedom? In the awareness, it's an inside job is what I've come to tell you. It's an inside job and has everything to do with what are you thinking? What is the story you're telling yourself? You cannot be a victim and think, I'm spiritually equipped to handle the problems and tasks of this life that I have all of the weapons, all of the resources for every encounter, and I'm equipped with the necessary qualities, attributes, and capacities which enable me to make a success of my life. You can't even get, from a victim consciousness, you can't even get through that whole sentence. For the one who gets through the sentence, you, every link is cracking open. It's the sound of freedom as an affirmative key. You just have now an affirmative key. You're affirming in a way that opens the links. Those links cannot hold you. So the ball and chain, the situation, the circumstance, those people on the job and the neighbors, they're still there. But you're not linked to them emotionally in that same, oh, He says, in other words, I have what it takes. Just say that if you would. I have what it takes. You have what it takes to be healthier and happier than you are. Bam! You have what it takes to be healthier and happier than you are. So whatever the level is, so it's not like see me later and say, well, I'm already this happy. Uh, the truth still remains the same. You have whatever it takes, whatever is required for you to be even happier and healthier. Be about it. Be about it. He says the greatest event that can possibly happen at any time, anywhere, to anyone is the discovery of this simple truth, that the kingdom of heaven is within. The kingdom of heaven is within me. Please say that. The kingdom of heaven is within me. Oh, this is, this is our opportunity to get a really clear sense. I'm going to ask you to just put up our little diagram again for us, please. Because as you are looking at that lower left image, I want you to see it emerging. I know there's no emergence implied in the way it is now. You see the ball and chain. But remember, we've just cracked those leaks. So maybe you don't see the movement, but feel it. Feel the emergence of it. Amy McLean wrote a song called The Other Side. 
And in it, I want you, while you look at that, I want you to hear this little lyrical ex excerpt, excuse me, this excerpt of the lyric. She asked in the song, what's on the other side of your disbelief and all the things you're trying to hide? She says, give up your foolish pride. I want you to see that you, you in the lower left consciousness, giving up your foolish pride giving up your attachment to the story that puts you there, that holds you there. She says, we all know the pain and injury. We all have scars and achy, stiff parts, but you're not the victim of these. Come on now, this is, this is the place where we tell ourselves the truth. You're the choices you make now to look, to face up or look down. Now, I know you see him looking down, but in our consciousness, what are we doing? We're beginning to look up. We're beginning to get a sense of there's something more on the other side. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Thank you, Valerie Joy. On the other side, this idea that, what does she say? You got to find a way to love the life you're creating today. Not the one that you already created, that you've already kind of synthesized the gook and the stuff in it, and that becomes your story of ain't it awful? Wasn't it awful, my, the origins of my beginning or, or year before last or even this year or this month or whatever it is, you've got to find a way to love the life you're creating today. Earlier in the song, I'm what I love about this song is there's so much there to unpack. But for those of us, because our attention today is focused on that image of us in that consciousness that of what's been done to us or what wasn't done to us, what we had or what we didn't have, that idea, because we are there, she sings about, she, in the lyrics, she says, sing yourself a song. And my sense is this singing a song can be a part of how do we move? Because that becomes the question, I think, for everybody. Okay, I'm here now, and I'm going through all this stuff, but how do I get from here to someplace else? Let's, if you put it up for me, please. <clears throat> that will, okay. So we're here. And so how do I let go of blame and shame and regret? How do I move from there? And some of it is because what got you there is what you're telling yourself. And I love, y'all know that, well, some of you, because I've shared with you that as a youngster, I stuttered as a child and um, had speech therapy. And what I remember of speech therapy was that we played games. We played in particular Candyland. Now, I don't, I don't know the secret of all of that, but what I know happened for me is that I was engaged in thinking about something else while I was given instruction. So that's probably has a lot to do with how I am as a trainer and a facilitator. That I recognize that there are auditory learners that you can just, you know, just a talking head is plenty for them. But for a lot of us, something else has to happen. There has to be another level of engagement. And often a song will do it. This idea of singing a new song because 
Come on now, there's a song that he's singing right there. Y'all remember James Thunder Early in Dreamgirls? There's a point at which James Thunder Early is performing and singing. He said, you know, I, wait, hold it. I can't sing no more sad songs. And I want that to be an awareness for us. I can't sing no more sad songs. I can't tell no more sad stories. I cannot tell, I cannot articulate another scene in a play where I'm the victim. If I tell it, I'm going to make up another part for me. Even if I've seen myself as the victim, the way I'm going to tell the story from now on is I'm going to be in a better position. I'm going to tell it from a different vantage point. Yes, I'm going to sing a new song. So Dr. Howard Thurman wrote an essay. And it says, I will sing a new song. He says, the old song of my spirit has wearied itself out. It has long ago been learned by my heart. Can you see how that's, our, that's, what we're, that's where we are when we're in that lower left in consciousness? We're at the effect of a wearied spirit. From the song, the story we've been telling ourselves, what we've been singing, it repeats itself over and over. It could be, I'm not worthy. It could be because my mama didn't and my papa couldn't that I am fill in the blank or I'm not fill in the blank. And so we do this over and over, bringing no added joy to our days or lift to our spirit, he says. He says, I will sing a new song. I must learn the new song. What? For the new needs. But you don't have no new need if you just go stay where you are. So this is for those who are willing to evolve, those who feel a change in a divine opportunity that is something more. So if you're there, keep listening. If not, go get something. Go have a drink of water. Take a quick bio break or something. Said, I must learn a new song for the new needs. Says, I must fashion new words born of all the new growth of my life, of my mind, of my spirit. I must prepare for new melodies that have never been mine before. Because that's what this movement is going to be. You may never have said or thought or done the things you're going to be required to do. Remember I told you that I'd get over here and just be all about it and then think, oh, how am I going to get to the notes? And I just, and I was like, but I got to get to the notes. Because what am I going to say without the notes? And spirit would be steadily saying, just this part right here, say this. I'd be, no, because that's not in the notes. I already got the download. And I'm sure I'm not the only one, not just as a speaker, but in the living. It's not like this was the only place I was doing that. In my life, it was, okay, I get it. I am attuned to divine spirit and divine guidance, but on my terms. Today's Wednesday, Lord. We're not doing that. <laughs> On Saturday. You know, Saturday's our day. <laughs> and it sounds ridiculous, but we have a game that we play. And it doesn't feel ridiculous when you play in the game. And it's in these moments that we begin to see 
this opportunity to rejoice. Dr. Thurman says, rejoice in each new day. There's no way to stay in that victim consciousness, rejoicing every day. He says, I, this day, this day, I will sing a new song unto the Lord. This day, I rejoice. Now, that essay was the impetus for a songwriting session that Etika Luckett and I had several years ago, and out of that was born the song, Out of Her Brilliance and Love, My New Song. And so I've asked Valerie Joy to play the chorus of it, and I'm going to ask us to sing it. Because why? We already have a story we're telling ourselves, and I want to interrupt it. I want to interrupt it with a reminder that we can sing a new song. The part we're going to sing, and Valerie Joy, start doing okay. whatever you need to do. Say, I'm ready to sing my new song. I'm ready to write old wrongs. Step by step and note by note, I will sing my healing song. This is what I'm inviting you to sing along with Valerie Joy. Ready? I am ready to sing out loud my new song. I am ready to write old wrongs. Step by step and note by note, I will sing. Just hold that thought right there. Hold that, this idea of being ready to sing a new song. Genevieve Barron says, so just you holding that, I want to breathe this into that. The power within you, which enables you to form a thought picture, is the starting point of all there is. In its original state, it is the undifferentiated, formless substance of your life. So your readiness to sing a new song means a lot. It means a lot more than you can imagine, even if you don't sing the song. Your readiness and willingness to sing a new song begins to form a new picture, to mold a new reality. It means that in that readiness for a new song, you're already visualizing beyond the old song, or you just be ready to keep singing the old song. 
So there's something that is happening on the inside that is shifting the circumstances and conditions. It is, he, she says, the condensing, the specializing power in you, she says, that might be illustrated by the lens of a magic lantern. Now, I have read this, I can't tell you how many times, but for the first part time I thought, magic lantern? <laughs> what is she talking about? And what I pictured in my mind, because I stopped right there, was like the kind that you rub for a genie. But the rest of it then didn't make any sense. And so what I found is the magic lantern slide projector is what she's talking about. This one is circa 1895. So it's the precursor to the first movie projector is what it is. Just leave that there for them, please. What it, it's a portable optical device and there's a, you can see that there's a section there where a slide would be put in, upside down, that would then project the image. So it was first developed as an aid to scientific inquiry, as a primitive device that required a sequence of lenses, transparent slides, and a light source. Originally, they used whale oil, whale oil, whale oil, and finally, an incandescent lamp. But the idea here is that this is how it operates within us. This is how we get how an idea gets outpictured. This is, and so this is what she's talking about, is our inner process she's likening to this magic lantern. And you can imagine back in the 1800s, this was magic. Like, what? They got pictures? How are they doing that? And it was by refraction. So it's the use of light. And that's, as light beings, that's what we're doing all the time as light beings, so look, as a human thinks, so is that human. And so is that human's nature. So this new song idea is to shift our nature, to shift the way we're thinking and what we're thinking of. We are shifting from the inside out. So let's go back to our diagram. Let's go back to how we flow in consciousness. Remember, Dr. Dan asked us earlier, how much are you worth? So there's something about each of us coming into this existence, he says, with the secret of creation contained within us. Can you imagine? But he says, at first, you, none of us know it, that we had it all the time. We already have whatever is required. The kingdom of heaven is within. Amy McLean wrote a song that is, you're worthy. And in it, she simply says, open your eyes. Open your eyes. And I'm going to add, look up. Open your eyes from that lower left. 
open your eyes and look up. Now, in, in, succeeding, in succeeding weeks, we will be looking at our movement, our movement in consciousness. But we're starting right here, because this is, this is perfect, and to know that you are worthy.